Father of glory, we thank you and bless you for this day. We adore you, Lord, and honor you. Thank you for the riches of your finished work. This morning, we pray you open our eyes. Teach us your word. Cause us to come to maturity. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright, clap your hands and be seated. Thank you, Lord. Are you ready for the word? We are ready. This morning, you're all looking so beautiful and handsome. You know, some of you have not heard that for a long time, so you're not clapping. I said, you're looking beautiful and handsome. Thank you, darling. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm so excited this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Love you, Lord. All right, so we started a wonderful journey on Friday morning. And on Friday morning, we spoke about Christ our Passover. And in the evening, we started from, from the cross to the throne. And it's been a very beautiful journey. We looked at everything that happened to Jesus from when he was in the garden until his arrest. Every treatment that he received was significant for us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Unfortunately, yesterday there was too much to share that we could not finish what we're supposed to finish. But I'm sure another time you're going to share it. But you can get all that information in uh, my book titled Discussion to the Cross. Unfortunately, I didn't bring enough. But if you come for service next week, you can get it. Praise God. Alright, so this morning I'm teaching on the resurrection of Christ. The resurrection of Christ. John chapter 20, the verse 1 to 20. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone, taken away from the sepulchre. The verse 2. Then she ran it and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that was John, and saith unto them, they have taken away the law out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid it. Look at this nonsense. Oh. This man told you that I'll rise up again. He went there, he was not there. He said they've taken him away. Praise God. Peter therefore went forth. And that other disciple and came to the sepulchre. Mm -hmm. So they ran both together and look at this funny thing. And the other disciple did outrun Peter. <laughs> and came first to the sepulchre. Uh -huh. And he, he stooping down and looking in, saw the lining cloths lying, 
yet went he not in. Mm -hmm. Then cometh Simon Peter following, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the lining cloths lie. Mm -hmm. And the napkin that was about his head. Now this is beautiful. Not lying with the lining cloths, but wrapped together in a place in itself. Now, before I continue reading, this is so beautiful. I, can't, I cannot overlook it. When they went to the tomb of Jesus, his lining cloths, which was used to cover his whole body, was lying down. That means it was just lying down. Praise God. But when they went, look at what happened. The, nas the napkin that was about his head, the napkin they used to cover his head in his burial, the Bible says, not lying with the lining cloths. So the lining cloths was just lying there somewhere. But the Bible says the napkin was wrapped together in a place by itself. So the napkin folded itself and it lied at the place. But the lining on his body was still lying there. Now this is beautiful. The napkin was used to cover whose head? Jesus. And then when he was done, the napkin folded on its own. But the lining was there idle. And this is beautiful. God was telling us something. Who is the head of the church? So the napkin on the head, which was folded, was to tell us that Jesus has finished his work. The lining was lying down. That means the church will pick it up and finish it. So as the head is finished, as the body, we must pick it up and work to finish ours too. Praise God. Next verse. He says, Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture. Look at this. As yet, as at that time, they knew not the scripture. That, that he must rise again from the dead. So, his own disciples even did not believe in his resurrection. Look at this. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Uh -huh. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stood, stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. And see two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had laid. And this is beautiful. I wish I could explain this a little. <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament, they had the Ark of Covenant. And the Ark of Covenant was made of gold. And it was, it was made of wood and it was overlaid with gold. So they had the wood and they covered the wood with gold. Praise God. And they covered it with a mercy seat. And on top of the mercy seat, there were two angels. One on the left, one on the right, facing each other. Praise God. And this Ark of Covenant was pointing to Jesus Christ. Because gold signifies divinity. Wood signifies humanity. So the gold and the wood signifies Jesus Christ as both human and divine. Are you here with me? And the angels that were facing each other was fulfilled here. When they went in, they saw two angels. Telling us that Jesus Christ is the Ark of Covenant. Are you here with me? And the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had laid. Uh -huh. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, 
She was looking to Jesus. And I know not where they have laid him. Uh-huh. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Look at it. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? Look at, look at Jesus. So, so who are you looking for? <laughs> She's supposing you to be the gardener. That means Jesus was dressed like a gardener. Remember, in the first garden, there was a gardener. And Adam failed. In the second garden, there is a new gardener, Jesus Christ. He does not fail. Praise God. So he supposed that he was a gardener, which was actually true. Say it unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hands, Tell me where thou hast laid him. And I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which say, Master. Next verse. Jesus said unto her, she was coming to hug Jesus. But she had missed Jesus. And he says, touch me not. I'm sure some of you will be like, Jesus was flexing her. <laughs> Touch me not, because I'm a resurrected God now. I'm no longer the son of man, but the son of God, so don't come close. No, that was not the meaning. Now, Jesus Christ was the high priest that had taken over already. Praise God. Jesus was the high priest that had taken over. Now, as a high priest, before you officially begin your office, you're not supposed to be touched by any human being. You must present yourself before God before you can come back with the affairs of men. So Jesus was fulfilling that same thing. He had to present himself before God, tell himself, God says, you are perfect. Before he came back and detached him. Are you seeing this? So Jesus actually died twice. He ascended twice. He died first of all spiritual death, then physical death. Then he ascended first of all to show himself to the Father, came back before he went again. So he was saying that I've not ascended yet. That was his first ascension. Are you following? So he says, I'm not yet ascended to my father, but go unto go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend unto, look at this, my father and your father. Now, he, what he was related to them was he called God their God. But after he was raised, he says to my father and your father. That means my father is now your father. Are you seeing this? And to my God and to your God. Next verse. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Mm -hmm. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, look at that. Jesus has given us an example of how our resurrection bodies are going to be in the future. He said the doors were shut when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And the Bible says the door was shut. Came Jesus. How? He passed through the door. So in this resurrection body, there's no limitation. There was a point in time in the same John when they wanted to catch fish. They couldn't catch the fish. Jesus came and said, go and catch the fish. The fish came. And the Bible says that before they opened their eyes, the fish had already toasted. So when you receive your resurrection body, any food you imagine it is... That. So imagine if you're forgiven. Praise God. Someone says, I will imagine chicken and chips. I imagine 
But once you go say fufu, and go to it, there's no fufu and go to it in heaven. Okay, all right. And Jesus came and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. Next verse. Uh huh. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Next verse. Okay, I think it's, it's okay for now. Praise God. Yeah. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. Alright, look at this. Now this is what I'm going to begin from. He says, that I may know him. Now when Paul said this, he was about 30 to 40 years already in ministry. 30 to 40 years in ministry. And he still desired that he may know him. Now what did Paul want to know again? Paul is a greedy man. Look at all these revelations. He wrote two texts of the Bible. In fact, he spoke about Jesus more than those who walk with Jesus. What again are you looking for? If I was Peter, I would have stabbed that guy. Because he did take one aside. Praise God. He says that I may know him. Now, what did he want to know? He says the power of his resurrection. The power of his resurrection. That was what Paul said he wanted to know. The power of his resurrection. Now, I think what Paul wanted to know is what we must seek to know. Yeah. What, what power is in the resurrection? Now, many of, many of the times we've heard much about the death of Jesus Christ, but few times we've missed out the true reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, do you know that when the wise men came to visit Jesus, there was not three wise men, okay? So if anybody thought he was a three wise men, it's not scripture. The Bible says wise men from the east. Many a time we say three wise men because of the gifts they brought. The gifts were three, but the wise men were more, more than one. Praise God. If you want to understand the wise men, get my book, Excursion to the Cross. I explained it extensively. So they came to present some gifts to Jesus. But these gifts were prophetic symbols. The first one was gold. Next was myrrh. Third is frankincense. This is beautiful. Even the wise men did not know what they were doing. They were communicating something to Jesus. Now, in the Bible, gold signifies divinity. Can anybody create gold? No, no you can only discover it. It has always been there. It existed before you started digging the place. So gold represents God because nobody can create God. You can only discover God. Gold is divine and indestructible. God is divine and indestructible. Gold is expensive. God it's expensive. Are you seeing this? So gold in the Bible signifies what? Divinity. It represents God. So when they presented the gold to, to Jesus, they were telling us that Jesus is? God. Jesus is? God. God. Number two, myrrh. Now, myrrh in the Hebrew means tearful affliction. Amazing. Tearful what? Affliction. Now, men was also used to embalm dead bodies to prolong their days. Praise God. Because it's believed that men contains a certain element called soporific influence, which is used to preserve dead bodies. And it, it was used to embalm them. So when they presented the man to Jesus, they were saying that this man is going to go through tearful pain. 
agony and he sees out regrets on the cross and he will die. So the first one was that he is God. The second was that he was going to die painfully. And guess what? When you bend Frank Isis, what happens? And those days in the temple, the Frank Isis that was bent supernaturally, it didn't turn to the left or to the right. Supernaturally. When you bend the Frank Isis, it went straight up. No matter the resistance of the wind, it does not turn. It was one of the miracles in the temple. It does not turn to the left or the right. Even if the wind is blowing this way, it doesn't blow. It still goes straight. Nothing can stop the resurrection of Jesus. So what, what the Bible was telling us was that go, Jesus is God. Man, he will die. Frank Jesus, he will rise. Are you see this? So the gift they presented to Jesus, okay, the gift they presented to Jesus was to represent that he is divine and God had manifested in the flesh and God will die and arise again. So the gospel was in the gifts. Are you seeing this? Now, in the Bible, there are seven iamnesses of Jesus Christ. There are seven iamnesses of Jesus Christ. What do I mean by iamnesses? Now, for seven times in the book of John, Jesus said, I am. I call it the iamness of God. Jesus said, I am. Now, we need to analyze these iams because it's very, very critical to our study this morning. First time, Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with bread. And immediately he finished feeding them. He said, I am the bread of life. Praise God. I am the what? Now, amazing, why did Jesus call himself the bread of life? Why didn't he say, I am the chicken of life? Why did he say I am the goat of life? Why did he say I am the pork of life? But he said, I am the bread of life. You know why? Because bread is a universal consumption material or food. Everybody eats bread. President eats bread. Prisoner eats bread. Rich eats bread. Poor eats bread. Tall eats bread. Short eats bread. Bread is a universal commodity. It is eaten in Italy, it is eaten in Africa, it is eaten everywhere you go. Telling them that Jesus is accessible to all men. Do you know that if you don't have money, you can still afford bread? That means Jesus Christ is affordable, yet not cheap. So Jesus is God's universal commodity for man's sustenance. He's the bread of life. That was the first I am this. He's the bread. Number two, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. That John chapter 8, the verse 12. Immediately, he justified the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Then he said, I'm the light of the world. That woman was in darkness. And he set her free by his grace. And said, I'm the light of the world. That means Jesus Christ came to bring light into our darkness. Number three, he said, I am the door. I am the what? Door. John chapter 10, verse 9. I am the door. After rebuking the Pharisees in John chapter 10, he came and said, I am the door. What he was saying, he didn't say, I am a door. That means there could be other doors. He said, I am the door. 
That means without me, there is no gateway. Praise God. Number four, he said, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. He was telling them that he was going to give his life for men. Because a shepherd gives his life for men. Then, number five, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 46. I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, he's the way to God. He's the truth you must know. And he's the life you must receive. He didn't say, I am a way, a truth, and a life. He says, I'm the way, definite article. The truth and the life. And the life, sorry. In other words, Jesus Christ is the ultimate way. There is no other way. No other religion that can give salvation. Acts chapter 4, the verse 4, the Bible says, For salvation is in no other. For there's no name beneath this earth that is given to man by which he can be saved except the name Jesus. Look at that. He says, There's none other name under heaven given among men whereby he must be saved. So Jesus is the only way to salvation. There are not some other ways. So sometimes I heard a Christian say the other time that, you know, we are all serving the same God. Listen, we are all not serving the same God. Are you here with me? We are all not serving the same God. We are all having one God. No, 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 no. That one God is Jesus. Jesus is God. God made Jesus God and declared that until you receive Jesus, you have not met God. That's what God decided to do. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one coming to the Father except through me. So you cannot come to God without Jesus. Are you following this teaching? You cannot come to God without Jesus Christ. Number six, he said, I am the true vine. As in John 15, the verse 1 to 5. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. That means Jesus Christ is our only source of fruitfulness. He's our only source of what? Fruitfulness. fruitfulness. Then finally, the big bomb. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. <laughs> John 11, the verse 20 to 26. Now, Give me the verse 20. I'm going to show you something. Now look, it says, Lazarus was sick and they came to tell Jesus. And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. He didn't go and visit him. Four days after when the guy died, he says, let's go. And Peter says, ah, why are we going? The guy is dead. He says, we are going to resurrect him. They went. And as they went, the Bible says, and Martha, as soon as he heard that Jesus was coming, went and meet him, met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Uh-huh. Next verse. He says, Then said Martha to Jesus. Now look at what Martha was saying to Jesus. He says, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Look at the next verse. He says, But I know that even now, whatsoever thou shalt ask of God, God will give it to thee. Next verse. He says, Jesus said, Unto her, look at Jesus, thy brother shall rise again. Wow. Look at the next verse. He says, Martha said unto him, Oh, yeah, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. 
Next verse. He says, Then Jesus said unto him, He says, I know this guy will rise up in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Next verse. He said, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He says, yeah, Lord, I believe thou art the Christ. He didn't say that you can raise him. He says, I believe you are the Christ. So she didn't believe. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. When Martha was telling him that, if, telling him that if you were here on time, he wouldn't have died. Jesus said, hey, I am the resurrection and the Do you know what Jesus is telling us? That the resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is not an event. Resurrection is a person. Now, amazingly, do you know Jesus did not say, I'm the resurrection, when he rose from the dead? He said, I'm the resurrection when he was still alive. Now, this, I don't know what this means to you, but this is something to me. He said, I am the resurrection and the life, when he was still alive. So Jesus did not need resurrection. Jesus did not need resurrection because he was already the resurrection and the life when he was alive. So why did he have to die? He rose because of you. So the resurrection took place because of you. Because Jesus did not need to die. He did not need to rise because he is the resurrection. Are you seeing this thing? So the resurrection is a person. And in the Old Testament, there are different preachers that foretold that Jesus Christ was going to rise up again. In the book of Genesis chapter 1, the verse 3, I told you the whole earth was in water. The chaos was not the whole world. The whole earth was in water. And surprisingly, God did something amazing on the third day. The Bible says on the third day, God separated the earth from the waters. That means God took the earth and separated it from the water. And the Bible says he commanded grass to grow. Grass represents life. So the earth was in water. Man's body came from what? The dust of what? The earth. In the Bible, waters does not always signify death. In the Bible, waters also signifies, it does not always signify life. It sometimes represents death because waters were sent to destroy people in Noah's day. So in this case, the water there represents death. So the earth was in water. On the third day, God brought the earth out of water. So the body of man came from the dust of the earth, right? On the third day, like God brought the earth out of water, he raised the body of Jesus from death. And guess what? God commanded grass and life to grow. Do you know that grass? We are the life that proceeded out of the resurrection of Christ. Are you seeing this? We also see Noah. God foretold them about judgment that was going to come through waters. And the waters came. So they were in the waters for one year, 17 days. And when the water subsided, the Bible says that the ark rested on Mount Ararat. 
the, the, the ark went through waters and later rested on Ararat. The ark going through waters was a picture of Jesus going through death. Are you following? Yeah. The ark of Noah was pointing to Jesus. Everything in the ark was about Jesus. The ark was made of gopher wood, which is an indestructible wood. That when it goes through water, it does not decay. It represents the body of Jesus that will go through death and yet will not decay. Praise God. All right, we all right, we have the, the bride and the groom here. Let's please come this way. Let's appreciate them. Hallelujah. All right, you're welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Kumi Pepra. Hallelujah. All right, so can we proceed? All right, so the ark was made of gopher wood, representing the body of Jesus Christ, that will see no corruption. Hallelujah. Now, secondly, the ark was three stories. It was a three-story building in one. Each building represented God. And the ark represented Jesus Christ. Three stories in one. Each building represents God, telling us that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead body. So the Father, Son, and the Spirit was in Christ. The ark of Noah had only one door. Jesus said, I am the door. Are you following this? So the ark that went through the waters was representing the body of Jesus that went through death. So when the ark settled on Mount Ararat, it was picturing the resurrection of Jesus. Are you seeing this? That is how come when they came out from the ark, it was a new world. It was a new beginning. When we are in Christ, there is a new beginning for us. What beginning is that? The resurrection life. Are you seeing this thing? We also see that in uh, Abraham and Isaac's story. Abraham and Isaac were beautiful pictures of Christ. Now listen. I know we've heard so much teaching about Abraham and Isaac. And most of the time we hear that Abraham and Isaac's story is about giving your last to God. But actually, it is not really the main thing. The story of Abraham and Isaac is about God giving his best to you. Abraham was a type of the father. The word Abraham is on three Hebrew alphabet. Ab, Bar, and Ham. Ab means father. Bar means son. Ham is waters, representing the spirit. So the name Abraham had a Godhead in it. That's why Abraham began Isaac, a picture of Jesus, the son. Isaac began Jacob, a picture of the Holy Spirit working us. Are you following this thing? So he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which in the New Testament is the God of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Are you following? So now, Abraham had all the wealth and the riches, and he gave that to Isaac, his only begotten son, picturing Jesus, God's only begotten son. The Bible says, Abraham gave all he had to Isaac. The Bible says, it was pleased, it pleased God that all fullness should dwell in Christ. Are you following? God tested Abraham by telling him to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham did so in obedience. And guess what? On their journey, Isaac was in between two servants. Carrying his own wood. Christ carried his own cross. He was in between two thieves. So they went to Mount Moriah for the sacrifice. Mount Moriah in the New Testament is where we have Calvary. The same place Jesus was crucified. So when he put Isaac down, he was about to finish him. And God says, Abraham, stop. I now know you're obedient. And there was a replacement. Now, do you know that you thought Isaac did not die? According to God, in eternity, he died. When Isaac rose up from the altar, it was his resurrection. 
representing the resurrection of Jesus. I'll put it to you in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 to 19. I was surprised when I saw that. In God's mind, he died. Look, he says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered by his only begotten son. Look at this. He says, Of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Look at the next one. He says, Accounting, this is good, that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he also received him in the figure. So when Isaac came from the altar, it was the resurrection of Isaac, representing the resurrection of Jesus. So guess what? When Isaac rose, you never heard of Isaac again. The next time you heard of Isaac, Abraham sent his servant called Eliezer to go and bring a bride to come and marry him. After the resurrection of Jesus, God sent spirit. The word Eliezer means helper. The Holy Spirit is a helper. He was sent to go to the far country, the Gentiles, and bring a bride for Christ. Tonight, this morning, you are the bride of Christ. You have been brought from the far country to get married to Jesus. And when Rebecca came and got married to Isaac, the wealth of Isaac became the wealth of Rebecca. The wealth of Christ has become the wealth of the church. We are the bride of Christ. And it's amazing. Do you know that Rebecca was a sister to Isaac? Yet became the bride. In the New Testament, we are brothers of Christ, yet the bride of Christ. Wow. So we are brothers to share the same father. And we are husband and wife to share the same inheritance. Wow. This is good. So Isaac and Abraham was pointing to Jesus Christ. Praise God. Now, you need to hear this because many of you might not have heard what I'm about to share with you. Do you know that nobody was ever resurrected from the dead until Jesus came? That's my God, what I say. <laughs> until Jesus came, no one ever resurrected from the dead. Now, you must understand this. There were 10 people that came from the dead. They didn't rise from the dead. There is a difference between resurrection and resuscitation. Resurrection, no, resuscitation is the return of the soul into the body. That's resuscitation. That is not resurrection. You know why? Because all those who were resuscitated, Lazarus, the Shunammite son, they all died again. Though they came back to their body, are they still living? They died. So it wasn't resurrection. It was resuscitation. The return of the soul back to the body. So when they rose, they still grew, yet they died. Do you know resurrection? When you are raised, you don't die again. Wow. That is resurrection. When you resurrect, you don't die again. Until Jesus came, no one ever resurrected from the dead. Jesus is the first sample of resurrection. Jesus was the first person to rise from the dead. Listen, true resurrection is actually receiving life out of spiritual death. And resurrection is culminated when you enter into your glorified body and don't die again. So Jesus is the first sample of resurrection. And I'm going to teach you right now. Come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 20. Go to see this. 
Jesus was the first to ever resurrect from the dead. No man ever re resurrected. Because all those who came out from the dead died. Look. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that sleep. So Jesus rose from the dead to become the first fruit, the first sample of those who rise from the dead. Are you seeing this? Do you know that Lazarus rose from the dead, but he was still spiritually dead? Yeah. He was still a sinner. So that was his resurrection. When you resurrect, you are no more a sinner. You share the life of God. Are you following this? Colossians chapter 1, the verse 18. Look, he says, and he is the herd of the body, the church. Who is the beginning? The firstborn from the dead. Hey. The firstborn from the dead. The word firstborn is from the Greek word prototokos, which means a sample or a prototype. The word prototokos is from two Greek words, protos and tikto. Protos means first, chiefest or beginning. The word tikto means to bear or to give birth. So Jesus was the first person that came from the tomb of the womb of resurrection. I do see this thing. Now this is key. Come to Acts chapter 26, verse 22. Look, he says, and having therefore obtained the help of God, I continue, Acts 26, verse 22, okay, 23, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and to great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Next verse. He says that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first. Wow. And that he should be the first that should rise from the dead. Now, this looks like tautology. Until you come to understand that all those who rose did not resurrect. He is the first. Can you see what the scripture is saying? He is the first that should rise from the dead and should show the light unto people and the Gentiles. Do you know what it means? It means Jesus was the first to rise from the dead to give people an example of what it means to resurrect. Oh, wow. Mm. Are you following this thing? Are you here with me? Now, you must understand that nothing can stop resurrection. Resurrection was an impossibility made possible. You, nobody can stop resurrection. Now, it's amazing that those days, when you die, you don't wear suit. In a Jewish custom, when a man dies, they use sticky ointment to wrap on lining. Then they bandage your whole body like an Egyptian mummy. Are you following this? They bandage your whole body like what? An Egyptian mummy. So the way they do it, they bandage everywhere. So that in case you were not dead, you would die where where. <laughs> so if in case it was coma, you would die in coma. That's how they embalmed you. They embalmed you in such a way that it must have you die, die, die again. But guess what? When Jesus resurrected, I read it for you, he came out of the lining cloth. Even the lining cloth he wore did not bind him. When he rose, he came out of it 
those sticky lining cloths, he came out of it. Now it's amazing that they put hundred guards at the tomb where Jesus was laid. And they rolled it with a stone which more than 30 people could roll. So he was guarded by 100 people and he was trapped with a stone. You know what? Because <laughs> they heard that the disciples were saying that he rise up on the teddy. So they said, let's see how he rises. With 100 men and a stone. And guess what? According to history, when Jesus rose, all the soldiers saw thousands of people wearing white. And according to one of the soldiers' account, when he saw them, it was as though the earth was having earthquake and the earth was moving to and fro. So they could not understand what they were seeing, so they fell down as dead men. And guess what? Jesus came out of the tomb. Jesus came out of the tomb. Hmm. And please permit me to drop this bomb. Are you ready? Ready. Ready. All right. Until Jesus came, number one, nobody was ever raised from the dead. Number two, until Jesus came, nobody went to heaven. Now this is key, you must understand this. Someone says Elijah went to heaven. Elijah didn't go to heaven. And I'll prove to you. Now you must understand that you don't interpret the Old Testament with the Old Testament. You interpret the Old Testament with the New Testament realities. So the New Testament is actually the study Bible for the Old Testament. So there were some things some of these guys said that was well addressed in the New Testament. Because they themselves were blind people who didn't understand what they were seeing. They only saw Elijah being carried up by a whirlwind. But whether he entered to heaven or he went somewhere, only the scriptures can tell us. And when Jesus came, he broke the news because he was coming from the word from, from heaven as the word of God. He dropped his first bomb by telling Nicodemus that except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Then he said, Except a man be born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. How did Elijah get there? Okay. Number two, I'm going to show you. Come to 1 Corinthians 15:15. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot. So you cannot enter heaven with your physical body. I don't see this thing. Number three, Jesus broke a sad news to many people. John chapter 3, the verse 12 and 13. Look, he says, For if I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? So that means Jesus did not even share the things he wanted to share. Next verse. Look. He said, and no man. Now this is not what I said. This is what the scripture said. He says, and no man hath what? Ascended. Did Elijah ascend? So you see, I don't know whether I say yes or no. 
He says, no one ascend, has ascended to heaven and had come down from heaven. Except who? The Son of Man, which is in heaven. So he was in heaven, and he came down to tell us that nobody has ascended. <laughs> Do you know, even Jesus, who said no one has ascended, he didn't come from heaven with his human body. He was in heaven as the word. Are you catching these technicalities? Yeah. The man himself who brought you salvation was not in heaven with his physical body. Listen, if Elijah went to heaven with his physical body, then Jesus cannot be your savior. Thank you for that look. <laughs> if Enoch went to heaven with his physical body before Jesus, Enoch was greater than Jesus. They never went to heaven. According to a certain book, they were transferred to another town and they died there. And guess what? They did not go to heaven. They were in a certain compartment in hell called Abraham's bosom. Now listen, before Jesus came, anyone that died did not go to heaven. Anyone that died was in Abraham's bosom. That was where every man that died entered. If you were wicked, you were in a place of suffering. If you were good, you were in Abraham's bosom. So in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, you could hear Abraham having a conversation with the guy who was suffering. Meaning that these righteous people and the wicked people were in one compartment. Just that there was a chasm between them. Okay. Hmm. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for resurrection. Oh. They were waiting for what? Resurrection. Because though they were righteous in the flesh, they died as sinners. Abraham was a sinner. He was not born again. So when he died, he was in Abraham's bosom. He was their class captain. Why? Because he was the father of faith. So David, I don't know whether he was assistant or but all of them were there. And guess what? When Jesus died, he died as a sinner. The Bible says, for God made him you know sin to be made sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus became sin. As he hung on the cross, the sin of the whole world was put on him. Remember what the high priest did? The high priest would take an animal, lay hands on the herd, and confess the whole sins of Israel upon the herd. Kill the animal. And the sins of the nation are forgiven. John the Baptist was the son of a high priest. That means he was qualified to be the next high priest. He saw Jesus, baptized him, and laid hands on Jesus. And the sins of the whole world was put on him. Oh, glory. And Jesus died for our sins. Now, when Jesus went to hell, there were two compartments there. He had to go and take the keys of death and hell and free those who were in hell so that for the first time, a human being can go to heaven. So, when Jesus landed in hell, remember he died as a sinner. So the devil thought he can punish him. Are you following? Many a times we hear stories of when Jesus went to hell, we think the fight that he fought was the Kumaud fight. <laughs> so Jesus said, and Satan also looked at him. 
I said, now who you want? Oh. And Jesus said, me not make a sound. She slapped. Hey! Yeah. Said, bah! And Jesus said, back, 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 back. And Jesus pushed all the demons. Bah, bah, bah. Jesus doesn't have that time. <laughs> but he wonder. They wanted to punish him as a sinner because he came as a sinner. So they were on Jesus. And guess what? They were not lucky on the third day. There was an explosion. You know the explosion? It was called the resurrection explosion. And they exploded. And Satan and all his cohorts, they all just went back by that atomic power. Boom! He didn't fight. He just went. Take the keys from the devil's pocket. He says, Abraham, get ready. Oh, wow. I lifted him Isaac, oh. I miss you. <laughs> and guess what? According to the scriptures, in 1 Peter chapter 4, I think either 7 or 17, one of them, he went and preached to the people who died as wicked people. And the people said, Charlie, we also believe. He says, you believe? Okay, Abraham. Be of us, get ready. He opened. He opened. And they followed him, and they all resurrected. Now, you want to get more of this teaching, you need to get my book, the gospel. You need to get the sermon. The gospel is the message of reconciliation. So, in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, the verse 50, something happened. Now, look. The Bible says that when Jesus had cried again with a loud voice, he yielded up the ghost. Look at the next verse. He said, and behold, the veil of the temple was rent away from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. Look at the next verse. He says, and the graves were what? Oh. Open, and many bodies of the saints which slept did what? Hey, next verse. Look. And they came out of the graves after what? I you see the story. So he came out with them after his resurrection, and went to what? To the holy city and what? Yes. So they saw Abraham and said, Charlie, oh, Charlie, what's up? <laughs> and you were like, Abraham! Abraham, no, 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 Abraham, no go, no go, no go. Come, 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 come. Oh, what a glory. I took a selfie with Abraham. I'm sure see Pastor, oh. hey, Pastor, you, you only you one man. Look at the women you took. Isaac, David, all of them rose. And the Bible says, listen, this is a supernatural thing. They appeared to many. They appeared to many. So this one was an eyewitness account. Abraham appeared to them. Moses, they saw him say, Moses, you brought the Lord. Look at the bondage you took us to. And they all came out. And guess what? I'm sure Adam when he came out. They did a special cage for him. So when he was coming, they were hang on him like this. And I'm sure somebody said, Adam, who did he? They hold him and say, hold on. He said, Adam, no. Hey, hold on. Look at what Adam took us to. But I'm telling people that listen, if you were Adam, see, Adam was a prototype of man. Everything that Adam did was every, what every human being would have done. And some of you would have been worse. Would have eaten the tree, eating the food, and use the roots for Jesus. Oh, glory! So stop blaming Adam. Stop blaming Adam. 
stop laughing. Leave him alone. Praise God. So they all came, showed themselves to many. And guess what? They awaited Jesus. And Jesus, for the first time, ascended with them to ascend it. And they called to heaven. And Jesus knocked. And the angel said, Who are you? He says, Lift up your head, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall enter. He says, Which King of glory are you talking about? And Jesus repeated, repeated again in Psalm 24. He says, Lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the King of glory, the Bible says, The Lord of hosts. Who are the hosts? The saints he liberated shall enter. And for the first time, Jesus was trotting in heaven. He said, Come in. And open the gates. And they all enter. Since that day, when a man dies, he's no longer in Abraham's bosom. Because Abraham's bosom, which is paradise, has been transferred to heaven. So you go and be with the Lord straight away. So there is a new technology. People who die in Christ are with the Lord in heaven. I'm sure some of you are wondering, how did Jesus go to hell? How? Now, I need to give you more scriptures for you to see that. Okay? Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. They are all, you know, today is a special meeting, so we have people coming from other places, so I'm sure you, are, you might not have heard this before. He says, I am he that lived and was dead. Look. And behold, I'm what? Alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell. And what? You, th you, you think Jesus was standing here and said, keys, hell, come. He had to go there for the keys. And I told you another time that the keys of death and hate are not for Jesus. He says, I hold it. Christ is the head. The church is what? The body. So the head does not hold keys. If he's saying that he's holding that means the church, which is the body of Christ, is holding that keys. If Jesus is in heaven, he does not need to die. It is you that need the keys to control the activities of death in your life. I'm declaring upon just 10 people here that this year you will not die. You will need to declare the good words of God. No weapon from the gates your life shall prosper. You will see life and enjoy life. If you believe, shall I believe? In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. You're going to see this thing. Look. He says, now he that ascended. <coughs> what was? Oh, what's it there? Okay. What is it? What is it? But that he also, that what? Descended what? First. So when he died, he descended first into what? The lower, the lower parts of the earth. Are you following this? Next verse. Acts chapter 2, the verse 9, uh, 29. Acts chapter 2, the verse 29. Look, it says, Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulchre is still with us today. Uh huh. He said, Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he will raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Uh huh. He says, And seeing that seen this before, speak of the resurrection of Christ that his soul was not left in so Jesus went to hell but his soul was not left in hell are you seeing that? now I want you to understand something 
There's a difference between the Jesus in the womb and the Jesus in the tomb. Jesus in the womb versus Jesus from the tomb. Now, Jesus from the womb was Jesus coming from the womb of Mary, which was incarnation. Jesus from the tomb was Jesus coming out, called resurrection. So Jesus from the womb was incarnation. Jesus from the tomb is called what? Resurrection. resurrection. When Jesus came from the womb, the Bible called him the only begotten son. Are you seeing this? John chapter 1 verse 14. I want to give you scriptures for everything because these are very serious teachings. Look. Okay, let me have the scriptures quickly. John 1 14. He says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory, the glory like us of what? The only begotten. When Jesus came from his mother's womb, Mary, he was the only begotten. That means he was the only child of God. But when Jesus rose from the dead, he was no longer the only begotten. He became the firstborn. Glory. <laughs> Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Look at this. Look, he says, For those for whom he did for no, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the one firstborn amongst when he came from the womb he was the first, he was the only begotten, when he came from the tomb he was what? the firstborn firstborn means there are other brothers, you and I are the brothers of Jesus Christ so Jesus from the womb only one, Jesus from the tomb firstborn, so today the New Testament, Jesus is not the only son of God, Jesus is the firstborn son of God and we are brothers to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Look at that there. Hebrews 2, 10. Look, he says, Hebrews 2, 10. For it became him, look, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory. Have you seen this thing? Come to verse 11. For both he that sanctified and they who sanctified are what? One. One. There's no difference between you and Jesus. He said, for which cause? He's not ashamed to call you. Do you know Jesus is not ashamed of you? And someone says, no, Jesus says that whoever does not testify of you before my father, my father will be ashamed of him. In the New Testament, the thing has changed. When Jesus died, the thing has changed. He said he's not ashamed to do what? Call you. The word brethren is from the Greek word Abelphos, which means twins born from the same womb. That means God is saying that the best identity he can give to you and Christ is that you are twins. See, I'm a twin brother of Jesus Christ. What he has, I have. What he has, I have. What he has, I have. Praise the Lord. So, Jesus in John chapter 12 verse 24. Let me have that. Alright. So, uh, the shepherds are going to sacrifice for seeds. Okay, no. Uh, this will sacrifice for seeds for them. So that you can stand at the back. You are the men of the house. <laughs> Praise God. Alright. No, no, don't go outside. Stay inside. Yeah, You are listening to the word of God. So please come and sit here for us. Let them come in and sit here. So you stand and listen to the word of God. 
quickly. So please help them very quickly so that we can. Yeah. All right, let's continue. Hallelujah. Go. The Bible says, Jesus said, I say unto you very, verily, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abided alone. But if it die, it did, that's what? Bring forth what? Bring forth what? Are you scared of saying it? It brings forth what? Much fruit. So Jesus was saying that I am the seed, I'm the wheat. He says, when he falls to the ground and dies, speaking of his death, he says it bringeth forth what? Much fruit. The devil made a very big mistake of putting Jesus there. Know why? Know the mistake he did? The mistake was that when he influenced the men to kill Jesus, they didn't know that it was Jesus sacrificing himself as a seed. When a seed is buried, it brings forth one many. When he was buried as a single seed, he rose with many seeds. Oh. And you are the seed that came out from the grave. Are you following this thing? So Jesus did not rise alone. He rose with you. So, in the resurrection, God made photocopies of Jesus Christ, which is you and I. So you are a photocopy of Jesus. The life in Jesus is the life in you. Say, I have the life of Christ. Come on, shout it, I have the life of Christ. Come on, shout it, I have the life of Christ. Glory. Glory. Do you know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was our resurrection? History records the resurrection of one man, but eternity records the resurrection of a new race. There are two men in this world. God does not see the whole world. He sees only two men. Adam and Christ. So when he's looking at the whole world, he's looking at the whole world through one man. Christ or Adam. So you are not even in the equation. That is how come Adam sinned for you. So you are not a sinner by fault. You are a sinner by default. Okay, okay. So Adam sinned and everybody that came from Adam was what? A sinner. When you were Adam, even if you try to do good, you are still a sinner. Because a sinner is a sinner. So God says, this is not fair. Because it looks like no matter the amount of good you do, you cannot come out. So God says, this is not fair. Because this people didn't do anything but because of Adam. So God says, okay, I'm bringing another man, myself. Uh... So on the cross, just like all men were in Adam in sin, all men were in Christ when he died. So when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. So any man in Christ is in is seen by God as Christ. Just like all men were seen in Adam, all the new creations are seen in Christ. So God does not look at your faults, he looks at Christ. Let me show you something. Do you know that Adam was the one responsible for creation? When it when Eve ate the fruit, then God says something. When Adam's ate, God appeared. And he asked who first? No one. Because Adam was responsible for the whole creation. He didn't even ask Eve. In the New Testament, Jesus is responsible for the new creation. Oh. If someone catches this, give me five minutes, then we are out of here. Not out of here, out of here. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
Alright. So when Jesus rose, we rose with him. Tell somebody, I'm born for my birth. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Now, this is an amazing reality that only few Christians have discovered. Now look, he says, As and so it is written. The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam. You see, Jesus is called what? The last Adam. He was not called second Adam. Because if Jesus was second Adam, that means there's a chance of a third Adam. So he was the last. Nobody comes after him. So he says, last Adam was made a? Are you seeing? There's a difference between those in Adam and those in Christ. Adam was a living soul. Christ is what? A quickening spirit. That means a spirit that has the ability to give life. Next verse. How be it, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And after all, that which is? Next verse. He says, the first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is of the Lord from what? So this man is from? Adam is from? Christ is from? Look at the next verse. He says, and as is the earthly, such are they also that are? And as is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. So if you are in Christ, you are heavenly. Now, have you seen this thing? You are heavenly. Now, when you buy a product like this thing, when you check under it, you see the origin. Made in China. This one is for me from China. It's from India. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you buy a dress, you check under it. Made in Italy. Not to Made in Italy. Now, when you look at it, you see the origin. God is telling us that when you look at the man in Christ, he's made in heaven. That's what I'm made in heaven. I'm a product from heaven. That is how Christians should not be scared of going to heaven. Jesus is coming soon. And you see all Christians for a bit. <laughs> How many times have you said that? Uh, you see my life. I've always been saying that. Charlie, for a bit. But you don't repent. <laughs> you see, so you, because of fear, temporarily, you want to make up with God. So you start singing praises early, early morning. You start giving good offerings so that you can pacify God, so that you can also make heaven. You see, some of you want to bribe God into heaven. So, you know, we fast, we pray, because, you know, you want to make heaven. First January. Second January. Second January. 14th February. We are seeing the Then from 14th to 31st December, I said, Father, as I came last year, I'm here. That's how we live your life. You see, listen, if you're a Christian, you are not sure of your salvation. Then you are not you are not even saved in the first place. Are you with me? Listen, the Bible says that if you shall believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he says, thou shalt be saved. So how do you know you are saved? Is it because you are going to church? No. Going to church does not save you. 
Is it because you pay offering? No. Paying offering does not save you. So don't try to bribe God. God hates bribery and corruption. So stop trying to bribe God with your actions. Because salvation has got nothing to do with your actions. Are you for me? Imagine we all go to Calvary. We are all lined up in the tree. And I asked you, how did you get here? I was a good servant. They clap for you. How did you get here? I was uh, a prayer warrior. God bless you. How did you get here? Oh, for me, I was not doing anything to get here. Now, guess what? Everybody has different reasons for coming to heaven. Is Jesus glorified? No. No. Assume we all get to heaven and I ask, how did you get here? He said, Jesus. How did you get here? Jesus. How did you get here? Jesus. Who gets the glory? Jesus. So salvation is 100% God, 0% man. Your contribution to the finished one is to receive it. And I said, I take it. So good men don't go to heaven. Save people go. Are you serious? So this is what the resurrection has brought. It has made us brothers of Jesus. The, the Christian is not trying to go to heaven. The Christian is made up of heaven. The Bible calls the Christian an ambassador of Christ. Have you seen an ambassador struggling to see whether his country will accept him? I'm sure the British High Commissioner we ask him, are you not going back to British? He says, I'm not sure you take this. <laughs> An ambassador is a representative, brother. How can a representative of heaven be scared of going to heaven? Oh, 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 glory. <laughs> Praise God. <Hallelujah>. Oh. <laughs> I love the Lord. Glory. Finally. Say, finally, finally. Finally, finally. Before Jesus. King. The greatest force on earth was death. That was the final. There was nothing beyond death before Jesus came. That was the greatest force. When Jesus came, the greatest force on earth was resurrection. So death is no longer as powerful as the resurrection. You know why? Because the resurrection of Jesus humiliated death. Someone says, but we all die. You don't understand this thing. Real death is not you leaving this body. Real death is you separating from God. That is how come you cannot calculate your 70 years with the years you're going to spend in eternity. A man went to the desert and picked sand and he just tried to get one drop. And he received an insight that this one drop is the number of time you spend in the earth. But this desert you are seeing is your eternity. That's why you don't look at life from the temporal point of view of the one you can see. There are many more years ahead of you. And without Jesus, your life is useless. Are you listening to me? Are you sure? Now listen to me. The greatest power that God ever demonstrated was not when God parted the Red Sea. The greatest power that God ever demonstrated was not when he created the world. Creation was the demonstration of his power, not the greatest demonstration of his power. Now you need to listen to me carefully. Because sometimes we value the part of the recipe as real power. That was not real power. Let me tell you, the greatest power God ever demonstrated was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 19. Now look at this yourself. I'm going to end with this one. He says, Wherefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and love unto all the saints, uh -huh, I cease not to give thanks for you, making of, mention of you in my prayers. Now look at this. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Uh -huh. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the... Next verse. Look. Look. Next verse. And what is the... What is the... Exceeding greatness of his power to ask what who? According to the working of his mighty power. Which, next verse. Which was? How? Hold on. Come to 19. He said that you may know what is there. Exceeding. That's the first word. The word exceeding is from the Greek word hupabalo, which means to surpass or to throw beyond the mark. So the resurrection of Jesus was beyond the expected mark. Number two, the exceeding greatness. The word greatness in Greek is megatos, from which you have the word megaton, which is a unit of explosive power equivalent to one million tons of trinitrotoluene. Now, just one unit of power was dropped in Hiroshima. And for, after 50 years, the bomb is still affected the land. Out now, you can still feel it. Just one unit. The Bible says that all that units of power was exerted in raising Jesus. He says, greatness of his power. The word power is dunamis, which means dynamic ability to cause changes. The next word, toward you who believe, according to the working. The word working is energy, which means forcefulness of his mighty. The word mighty there is iskus. Iskus means vitality. The next word is mighty power. The word power there is kratos, which means delegated authority. Next verse. He says, which was wrought. The word wrought is energio. The word energio means effectiveness. Which was what wrought in Christ when God raised him from the dead. The exceeding and beyond the mark. Greatness of God's power was exerted in raising Jesus from the dead. And guess what? That same power that raised Jesus that power raised him from the dead. You know what it means? When Jesus was raised, nothing stops Jesus. And if that power is in you, nothing stops you. The believer is unstoppable. Say that to me, the believer is unstoppable. Say, I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. Sickness cannot attack resurrection life. This is key. Listen. Imagine believers are conscious of resurrection life. Conscious of resurrection life. In my family, people don't prosper. Conscious of resurrection life. In my family, when you are 50, they kill you. Conscious of resurrection life. Are you sure they are conscious? In my family, nobody goes to school. Are you conscious of resurrection life? In my family, they place a curse on us. And the curse is that if you are 19, you go and swim in the river, you will drown. You see, you see, we are now tied by family traps when the believer is no longer in the family of men. This, this is a very critical thing. When the believer became born again, his DNA changed. There is a new life working in you. It's called resurrection. It's called what? It's called what? Say, Father, 
Thank you for resurrection power at work in me. The believer has resurrection power. This power is beyond ancestral cases. Beyond. In my family, those who don't prosper don't prosper, know me. In my family, those who die at 50, die at 50. I'm not dying at 50. You know why? Because I carry resurrection power in me. Listen, even the Old Testament says they are not like you. Daniel prayed to become like you. Ezekiel prayed to become like you. You know why? Because Jesus had not come. Can you imagine Daniel prayed and his prayer was held by a demon? Because the answer to his prayer for, was coming from where? Heaven to earth. There was a distance. In the New Testament, things have changed. The believer is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So the answer to his prayer is from heaven to heaven. Much more. Who answers prayers? Jesus, you are seated to your answer before you pray. Now, this is a perception. Why is it that there are believers who are tormented by demons? You know why? Because they are conscious of demons. The Bible says he shall keep his angels charge over thee. Why are demons charging? It's because of mentality. Listen, the warfare in the New Testament is a warfare of revelation. So those who don't know are captives. Those who don't know the truth are captives. No demon can bind me from where? Look at this nice boy. Like I said yesterday, eating a dream does not harm me in any way. And you must catch this revelation. I said, devil, bring fufu, I go chop up. Bring bamboo, I go chop up. Bring plantain and chips, I go chop up. You know why? Because the Bible says you shall eat any deadly thing and it shall not harm you. You see, this is revelation. This is the work of faith we are talking about. Many believers are behaving like unbelievers. So anything that happens to unbelievers happens to you. How? How can you be in a car and you have an accident and you all hurt alike? You see, that's the problem. We don't know what we have in Christ. Listen, even if the car should have an accident, when people are cleaning blood, you are cleaning dust. Wow. This is this is not a joke. I'm telling you, you serious. When a believer comes to the discovery of resurrection life, ancestral cases are not bigger than resurrection life. You know, today in the church, we have maxed, magnified and exalted ancestral cases. You don't marry. You don't do this. You don't do that. See, tell somebody, grow up in Christ. Tell us about this nonsense must stop. This nonsense must stop. <laughs> Listen, you have eternal life, number one. You have resurrection life, number two. And you have the life of the Holy Spirit living in you. So look, look at all what you have. The Bible is a greater is he that lives in you than he that is in the world. Yet anything is happening to you. It's your consciousness. Your father told me that be careful of your life because when I was your age, I was cursed. So you grew up with that mentality. <laughs> That's why I'm living a Christian life. Father, 
So Adam was fake, Christ is original. Are you seeing that? Adam was from some, Christ is from some. So the life at work in the believer is not an ordinary life, brothers and sisters. The life you are having is beyond eating and drinks. It's beyond spirits coming to sleep with you. Spiritual marriage, you have it. You have to dissolve that marriage. Because how can a demon who not pay a bright price Come and sleep with you free of charge. No, it's not possible. You don't know who you are. You don't know who you are because you cannot have resurrection life in you. And the Bible says you are the bride of Christ. And Christ has given you his ring. Do you know the ring? The ring is the Holy Ghost. That is your ring. And a demon should have that authority to come and say, I'm sleeping with you. I've married you. Or you made the offer him. I told you, if I if you call someone, someone says, hey, I saw an antelope in your head, say, tell him to get that. <laughs> now, you see, today, if you're teaching a thing like that, I say, you don't know the spiritual world. Listen, I've been a prophet for the past 11 years. I've casted all kinds of demons. All kinds. With different names. <laughs> so I'm not an ignorant man. I'm telling you, I've been with the Lord. And I'm teaching you what Christ has done. The reason why the church is today begging the devil is because we don't know the truth. Jesus conquered in resurrection. Resurrection is unconquerable. Listen. Life is the power to exist. Resurrection is the power that overcomes anything that rises up against the life that exists. So resurrection power is an overcoming power. When you are going for an interview, be conscious of what? Resurrection. Lift your hands. Say no weapon. No weapon. From the gates of shall prosper. Say they that are with me. Amor. 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 Angels are all around me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lift up your hands to Jesus. We are going to pray. You are declaring that the resurrection power at work in you will come alive today. Lift up your hands. Say in the name of Jesus. As I lift up my voice and pray, I declare the power of resurrection come up alive in my body. In Jesus' name. Listen, if anybody of you is sick, any one of you here is sick, as we are praying, the Lord says I'm going to be healed. Are you here with me? Lift up your hands. Say in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Resurrection power. Resurrection power. Come alive. Come alive. Now. Now. Lift your voice and pray.